We seem to be talking more and more on the show about long-term care in the home. So instead of people receiving care or aging in a facility, like in a hospital or a residential or aged care home, they spend more time in a familiar and comfortable environment like their home. And technology plays a huge part in enabling all of that, obviously. That's why it's been such a popular topic on the Talking Health Tech podcast recently. And it's not just because of COVID. Yes, that certainly accelerated the need for more healthcare being delivered from the home. But with an aging population and increasing costs to deliver healthcare and lots of other factors, long-term care in the home is here to stay. We need it to stay. One of the key pieces of technology required to enable this home care model is wearables. And when I say wearables, what do you think of? Smartwatches is the obvious one, and that's good. But what about smart clothing? Well, my guest today is Shem Richards, the founder of a company called Goldilocks. And in this episode, we'll explore how smart wearables can reduce parental stress and help with aging in place. We'll look at what the next generations of care looks like. And we'll also hear more about the journey of bringing a medical device to market in Australia and lots more too. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Shem Richards. He's a biomedical engineer and the founder of Goldilocks a smart clothing company aiming to reduce the cost of healthcare and increase the value of care beyond the hospital walls. Goldilocks' initial product on the market is a smart baby singlet which coaches parents through the stresses of bringing a newborn home. Hey, Shem, how are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining. Are you in Adelaide? I've got that in my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In uh, lockdown South Australia at the moment. Lockdown sounds like it's lockdown everywhere at the moment, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's what it is. But no, there's some interesting innovations coming out of Adelaide and a good little health tech scene for one of the most livable cities and places in the world. So, yeah, you're in the right place, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the government's poured a lot of money into the medical device, medical scene, medical research scene in Adelaide, and they're really promoting that. And from that, some spin-off from good research is starting to happen, and they've invested reasonably heavily also in a startup hub, Lot 14, that Stone and Chalk runs, and Think Lab, and a lot of the Adelaide Uni runs, and a lot of other incubators, and it's all taking its time, but it's coming together now, and there's a little bit of a buzz around Adelaide. Yeah, there is definitely a great place to be. So excellent. Let's get into it. I'm keen to learn a bit more about yourself and your story firstly. Tell us about you and your journey. I'm trying to remember when it was now. About eight to 10 years ago, I graduated as a biomedical engineer and I chose that because it sounded good at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I then kind of found myself in the medical device scene and have been loving it ever since. And I've really started out in working in hospitals and working with leading clinicians to help them develop technology to do their job better and working in hospitals and manage their medical device facilities and that type of thing. But then a couple of years ago, when I say a couple, I mean five or six years ago, I started doing a little bit of work as a technical consultant with a few startups in Adelaide and got the bit of the startup bug. And yeah, it's progressed from there. So I was starting to look out for ideas. Nice. And so flash forward to now, you're doing Goldilocks. Tell us a bit more about that. 
From working in healthcare facilities and hospitals, I was just noticing that trend of hospitals are being reserved for chronically and critically ill people. And they're really trying to push low care to homes and to other lower care acuity places. But I was working in the medical device scene and looking at the medical technology that was out there at the moment and going, hey, it's not there. The medical technology isn't there for use in a home setting or something like that because number one, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Number two, you need the high user training and it's also not integrated into the patient's life. So it's something they have to kind of really deal with and it's quite stressful to cope with. So I was looking at this saying, hey, the next generation of medical devices need to be comfortable, they need to be integrated into the patient life and they need to be intuitive and easy to use at home. Then had that idea that this is the next generation of medical devices and then four or so years ago, we brought home our first daughter, Amali, from hospital and I was like, well, 72% of parents suffer from baby blues, 10 to 20% suffer from postpartum depression, Clearly, the continuation of care from a hospital to home isn't working as well as it could be. Here's the ideal place for us to start. Yeah, I can certainly relate as a parent of a few kids and that whole (laughs) transition from the hospital setting where you've got all of that support network and then you move into your home and you're responsible for small humans. It's a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you have all these flashbacks to that chicken that you couldn't keep alive and the budgies you couldn't (laughs) keep alive. And like, how am I meant to keep this baby alive? (laughs) Just plants, man. Like plants have a a big problem. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. Thinking about the technology for a second then, I really relate with this concept of integrate, like the success of wearables relying on it relate integrating with people's lives. And I'm keen to go into that in a bit more detail, but maybe just to go back one for those not totally familiar with the concept of smart clothing and wearables and that whole space. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I also have been following the wearable trend for a little bit. It's obviously in my area of expertise and interest. I was looking at smartwatches and smartwatches were our first one, like the Fitbit, and then also the chest bands as well that some runners use. And I was looking at that thinking, that's great. But there's only so much you can take from your wrist just because of the location, the real estate you're working with and that type of thing. So I was looking into the future and saying, where's the next generation of wearables coming from? And I think the next natural step is in clothing because clothing is something we wear all the time and that's what you want with wearables. It needs to be continuous and it's a lot more real estate and it covers a lot more of, I guess, the vital areas, the areas we normally take measurements from rather than the wrist. So that's what really attracted me to smart clothing. So what smart clothing is, is trying to integrate sensors and wires and all kind of the typical things you see on medical devices and trying to integrate that into clothing in some sort of comfortable and user-friendly way. Yeah, that piece around finding a way to make technology just part of the day-to-day, I've talked about that a few times before and I think that that's really critical to the success of any device solution, like whatever the piece of technology is, if it means you've got to go out of your day-to-day to to then use it, it's like the adherence to it's probably can be relied upon a lot less. But if it's just part of the day-to-day and you forget that it's there, I think there's usually a good recipe for success there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at all the sci-tech films which envisage the future for us, it's always you're being scanned or it's part of your clothing. Like as humans, that's what we want. We want something completely integrated into what we're doing rather than 
having to strap on 12 dots and make sure they're all in the right spot and ripping off all the hairs when we have to take it off. I'm flashbacks now. Look, <laughs> <laughs> and thinking about the, you're in the parents and baby space at the moment. And so smart clothing. So the Goldilocks suit, it's smart wearables for babies. Tell us about it. When I brought home Amalia, our first daughter from hospital, we had all the support we needed at hospital. We had all the clinicians, midwives we could go in the corridor and speak to. And then we brought her home and that kind of were pretty sleep deprived by then <laughs> as well as most new parents are. And you're feeling out of your depth and pretty stressed. And then they start crying and everything you ever learn in your courses before you forget about, you spend a lot of time just running around trying to work out why your baby's crying, what the issue is. And research tells us that understanding your baby's temperament is one of the key drivers of postnatal depression and the baby blues. So helping parents understand their baby's temperament and why they're acting the way they are is really key to reducing stress and anxiety for new parents. So that's what Goldilocks is about. The way we do that is integrated into a baby singlet is sensors that we've got screen printed on the inside of the singlet. So like a normal T-shirt has an image on there. And that's screen printed on. It kind of feels like that on the inside and that's how thin it is. So that's picking up baby's movement, temperature and those type of things. And then it goes to a little Bluetooth module which sits on the tummy and that goes to your phone. And our phone passes all this data collected from the sensors and it goes through our neural networks or machine learning algorithms and we then categorise when your baby's feeding, sleeping, breathing, core and skin temperature and then development goals we do through the app. So it's building up a profile of what looks normal for your baby. When does your baby normally feed, sleep, what's their normal temperatures, all of this to build up a profile of what's normal for your baby and our algorithms learn that. Then when we notice anomalies, we can then say to the parent, hey, your baby looks uncomfortable, they've got a high-ish temperature or that type of thing, that there's something that needs the human touch, it needs the human intervention. So the way we do that is we have a traffic light system, green, red, orange, and we say, hey, your temperature's orange. Here's a video from our clinician which talks about what to do with temperature and here's a checklist you can go through and that goes, your baby is uncomfortable, high temperature, right? Have you tried a wet flannel? What clothes are they wearing? What temperature is the room? All the way down to have some Panadol, visit your midwife type thing. So it's closing the loop as well. It's not just a measurement, hey, your baby's 36.6 degrees or whatever. It's saying your baby's in the orange zone. This is something you need to check out. And here's how you can help settle up and deal with the issue. So it's closing the loop to provide that kind of smart parent coaching that they might need at 3 a.m. when they can't contact their midwife or clinician. Yeah, perfect. I like the little prompts too, just to get the brain ticking in or thinking in that direction too. Sometimes just that little suggestion can help them go on the right path because like you say, you've got your mind on a lot of things in what's an otherwise very sleep-deprived mind, so you're not your best to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what a lot of the current wearables do is they measure and show, hey, your baby's stop breathing or whatever it is and sends off an alert and that's all mm. they do. So being able to get the parent to triage and almost sort out the issue on their own reduces the false positive incidents and that type of thing. 
No, it's great. It makes a lot of sense. Hey, I'm thinking just from a commercial or an industry point of view for a second. And as a parent myself, I've been to plenty of the, you do the baby and parent expos, right? And the amount of things that you can buy as a parent for kids is ridiculous. And the amount of solutions, it's like the wild west. You see some really innovative and good solutions. And then there's a lot of rubbish as well. So there's this spectrum of stuff that parents go through. What's it been like? Because I can appreciate a lot from your background and the approach that you've taken and some of the technology behind your solutions. So it's the real deal. How do you go about having a solution like that in this kind of world where parents are dealing with all these other kind of solutions that are otherwise rubbish? Good question. That is a reasonably competitive space, if you like. And there's all sorts of solutions from your natural oils and, <laughs> and all those type of things. So I guess the way we approach it is, number one, you have to target the right parent. Like some parents, it doesn't matter what you say and however much information you provide, it's never never going to convince them their solution that they got from their mum or whatever is always going to be best. What we try and do is just provide as much education and training as we can because our vision, our goal is to reduce the baby blues and anxiety. So having a smart clothing solution does do that but also it's part of its education training helping parents understand what's normal what's abnormal because as a first-time parent that's what causes the stress is hey my baby's doing this is that normal or hey they're doing that is that abnormal because you get lots of information from google your friends your parents and lots of other mentors as well and it's trying to sift through that information and work out so we try and provide all our information from clinicians midwives and trained professionals and provide an education so that that then builds the trust to then go on to buy a golden box suit no it makes a lot of sense and even just looking at your website there's some good content on there that anyone can access about the kind of questions that might be in mind so I, it makes a lot of sense how you've done that. i think leading with that knowledge and expertise i think is really important too that helps Moving on to that point that you raised before around ensuring that that human element of healthcare and just care generally to people. And when you think about technology and the ability for it to enable monitoring or care provided in a location where, say, a, a provider is not physically there, there's this battle between enabling more access, but then that reduces the amount of physical touch that's provided in the care. So as more and more devices are used, more and more healthcare by definition can be provided remotely. How do we strike this balance between delivering care remotely, but keeping this really important human aspect of healthcare and care generally and the personalized elements to it? That's a tricky one and something that healthcare systems have been struggling ever since the first technology was developed. But I think that's been accelerated in our current era because healthcare costs are just skyrocketing. And that's why hospitals and healthcare have been reserved for the chronically ill and trying to push low cares to home. So healthcare costs are skyrocketing. The cost of providing care is skyrocketing. So how can we provide care at home in a cheaper and more affordable way? Well, technology is the answer to do that, like remote monitoring, telehealth, we saw that dramatically increased through COVID. So that's kind of the way to scale healthcare, if you like, because we've got a growing population. We can't just keep training nurses and doctors because it's not affordable. So how can we scale that? So I guess Goldilocks' vision is to come up with some sort of hybrid form of care, having you in your own home, 
having you in the comfort of your own surroundings, number one, that reduces the stress and patients prefer to be in there than in a hospital to start with. So having them in their own environment kind of reduces some of the stress and anxieties. Having a Goldilocks device or a wearable on them allows the clinicians to remotely monitor and then allows that communication through technology, through smartphones, through apps as well. But you're right, that human touch then is lost through this process. So we think that hybrid form of care of in your home with a bit of technology and clinicians coming to your home when you need it, when you require it, is the way forward. When we're in hospital and we had a midwife look after us, we were part of a group practice and did a lot of our midwifery at home. But had the birth in the hospital, then the midwife comes two or three days every two or three days after. So having something like a Goldilocks, for example, would enable the midwife to track how the baby's going, how the parent's going, and then monitor how much they need to go. So rather than going every day or every second day, it's more about, hey, the parent and baby's going, okay, maybe it's just a phone call they need today, just to check in, say, okay. Or it's looking at and saying, hey, they're not going real well. Maybe I need to come twice every day just to make sure, help with the feeding, help with that type of thing. What we see the role of technology is not so much delivering the care, it's more helping the clinician understand how often they need to be there and how often the parent requires or the patient requires their help. That's where we see technology's role. Yeah, I picture from my own experiences where you've got the visiting midwife afterwards and you can apply that to any kind of repeat visit to a carer is that they've got their checklist, whether it's not on a clipboard or mentally, whatever it is, and they go through that to determine then how the conversation will go. And then so often it'll be, oh, great, catch you later. You know, like yeah. <laughs> They've come and done that whole process. So to be able to shift that to a point where, like you say, you can have that conversation instead and, and save a lot of time and resources and hopefully then look after more people, then I think, yeah, you can definitely strike a good balance there. Yes. And I think that having a device at home that diagnoses you, treats all your issues, I think maybe that will happen. 50 to 100 years down the track. But I think we're not there with our current model of healthcare and healthcare system. And I think that human touch empathy is still really important to care. Hey, look, we've talked a lot about the um, next generation of care and the role of wearables and the potential that exists. Is there anything else about the future of the technology or the space or just anything about the future of wearables, anything that excites you about that or what we can be looking out for from the industry? I think that's... What we're touching on before is what I'm excited about is how can we use technology and create this hybrid level of care which provides the patient-centred care that we require. In hospitals, a lot of the care is doctor-centric and that's understandable because they're very busy, got so many patients to see and that's just the way their kind of administration runs and it has to run that way. So what I'm really excited about with the future of care is making it more patient-centric and having the patient be able to have input into the level of care they require and to where they want to care. And that's where I see these wearables and that space moving to just shift the paradigm a little bit to more the patient and their ownership and then the clinicians providing the care that the patient wants. Perfect. And just lastly, thinking about for yourself, specifically for Goldilocks and you guys, what can we look forward to seeing from you guys over the next 6 to 12, 24, or what are you working on? We've started in the baby sector, infant sector, parent sector, because that's where my domain experience is. But what we've really created is smart clothing and a platform to provide remote monitoring or home care. 
So kind of we see there's numerous other avenues we can go with just the baby side of things. We're a consumer health device at the moment, so we can then make it a medical device, which can early prevention, early intervention for potential development issues, which infants go through through the first 12 months. If we can get onto that as early as possible, that really reduces the stress and anxiety for parents and helps with the development of the baby as well. And there's more sensors that we're working on to get more data and more accurate. But that's the baby setting where there's so many other avenues we can work in as well. So we've developed a partnership with the largest non-for-profit aged care provider in Australia. We're really helping them use smart clothing in homes to provide independence to the elderly who want to live age in place rather than going to a residential care and doing it in a safe manner. So there's definitely that, but we're also in discussions with disability care as well and there's a Royal Commission into that and trying to provide the care that the disabled need and provide them the independence that they require as well. But there's so many other avenues you can go with this where people can't communicate, whether it's distance or mental capability. So we're talking pets, remote workers, space, so many other avenues where we can work in and we see applications for. Oh man, yeah, a lot of potential there and an exciting one to watch, guys. So do check out Goldilocks. The details will be in the show notes of this episode and on our website too. So if you do want to get in touch with Shem and find out more, then follow those links and do that. Look, mate, I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast and good luck with everything in the future. No, thank you and all the best with you. what you're doing as well. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.